Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This is a case update. For more details, please listen to Season 4, Episodes 27 to 30. This episode contains distressing themes, adult language and descriptions of sexual violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. In the media, the crimes were referred to as the Babes in the Wood murders. The bodies of Karen Hadaway and Nicola Fellows were found in woodland around Wild Park, a short distance from their home in Brighton. They had gone out to play together one day in October of 1986, but never came home. During the search to find them, a blue sweatshirt with the word Pinto written on the left breast was found discarded near Moulscombe Railway Station. It would be the critical piece of evidence tying the killer to the crimes through DNA and clothing fibre transfer. But in the mid-80s, forensic analysis was in its infancy, so witness testimony was key to the prosecution. 
Russell Bishop the prime suspect, knew both girls and was arrested and charged that same year. Jenny Johnson, or to use her formal name Jennifer Johnson, was Bishop's then partner. She offered evidence supporting Bishop through both witness statements and court testimony at Lewis Crown Court in November 1987. Although conflicting an earlier statement she had given, Johnson claimed that she did not recognise the blue Pinto sweatshirt and suggested Bishop was wearing another item of clothing at the time it was alleged he committed the crimes. This evidence played a part in Russell Bishop being found not guilty of the murders in 1987. He was a free man. However, several years after Bishop's acquittal, he was again arrested after he abducted, sexually assaulted and attempted to murder a child, who, in spite of being strangled to the point of passing out, survived. Bishop was convicted of these crimes in 1990 and was handed a life sentence. Some 13 years later, the laws around double jeopardy changed, meaning someone could be prosecuted for a crime even if they had been acquitted in the past. The blue Pinto sweatshirt had also been carefully stored away, but forensic analysis still had a long way to go. It was almost another decade and a half before further comprehensive testing was completed on the item of clothing. Russell Bishop was still serving a life sentence when new evidence was discovered linking him to the crimes. He was subsequently found guilty of the murders of Nicola Fellows and Karen Hadaway in December 2018 bringing to an end a quest for justice that spanned over three decades. Bishop faced two further life sentences and a minimum term of 36 years. The question always remained about the statements and testimony provided by Jennifer Johnson. It was clear she had lied. This case update follows what happened next. Two years and three months after Russell Bishop's second trial for the murders of Karen Hadaway and Nicola Fellows. On March 24, 2020, it was announced that Jennifer Johnson would be prosecuted, charged with perverting the course of justice and perjury. This followed a substantial investigation by the Surrey and Sussex Major Crime Team. Johnson was now 54 years old. She was only a few years into adulthood when the murders of Karen Hadaway and Nicola Fellows occurred. She was close in age to her then-boyfriend, Russell Bishop. Through the press, the police reminded the public that the case against Johnson was active. As it had now been brought before the courts... Internet users were told to be acutely aware that anything published or broadcast, especially through social media, could risk the collapse of a prosecution. 
given the emotive nature of the case, caution was urged. In an initial court hearing at Brighton Magistrates Court, it was alleged that Jennifer Johnson purposefully lied, misleading detectives and the court when she said she had not recognised a key piece of evidence, claiming it did not belong to her then-boyfriend. This was the blue Pinto sweatshirt that linked Russell Bishop to the murders. Johnson had, in essence, given Bishop a false alibi. The charge sheet indicated that she willfully made a false statement in judicial proceedings under the Perjury Act and committed an act or series of acts with intent to pervert the course of justice. Jennifer Johnson was released on bail. Dressed in sunglasses, a face covering, a black top and jeans and a long black wig, Johnson was pictured outside the courtroom. A month later, during a subsequent hearing, Jennifer Johnson was due to enter her pleas for the two charges. However, she was unable to do so following a technical issue. The Skype video link over which she was meant to be appearing became disconnected. However, the judge already appeared to be aware of Johnson's intentions. Judge Christine Lang QC said, As I understand it, the defendant intends to plead not guilty to the charges she faces. In effect, she will be running the defence of duress. She accepts doing what is alleged against her, says she had to do so because she was under duress. The perjury charge related specifically to comments made during judicial proceedings when Jennifer Johnson told the court that a statement she had initially given to the police about recognising a blue Pinto sweatshirt was untrue. The charge of perverting the course of justice related to several statements provided to the police. Johnson claimed that the Pinto sweatshirt did not belong to Russell Bishop, nor had she seen it before. The judge was not satisfied with the excuse of Johnson's technical issues, so the defendant was brought before the court in person a week later in July 2020. Family members of the victims, including Nicola Fellow's father, Barry, was one of the public spectators who watched via video link as Jennifer Johnson denied the allegations. The coronavirus pandemic delayed a trial taking place, However, it was finally announced by High Court Judge Mr Justice Fraser that proceedings would go ahead in April 2021, 13 months after Jennifer Johnson was first arrested. A jury of seven men and five women at Lewis Crown Court were told the case was to last a month. It was alleged that Jennifer Nancy Johnson 
helped her then-boyfriend Russell Bishop by lying during the original investigation and during the trial. In her remarks opening the case, Alison Morgan QC described how Jennifer Johnson's decision to lie deliberately in a sustained way significantly undermined the Crown's case against Russell Bishop. The prosecutor touched on the defence's argument, which would allege that when Johnson was young, she was subjected to domestic abuse and coercive control from both Bishop and Bishop's family. But Alison Morgan QC said that Johnson had a choice when she lied deliberately and prolifically. The choice she made was to protect Russell Bishop. According to the prosecutor, the relationship between Bishop and Johnson was essential to highlight. Hence, she went about reconstructing their lives from the point when the former couple met and beyond. Russell Bishop was the father to three of Johnson's four children. The couple had been in a relationship when he murdered Nicola Fellows and Karen Hadaway and then when he attempted to murder and sexually assault another child in a separate crime three years later. The jury were told the choice they had to make was to decide whether or not Jennifer Johnson was able to make her own decisions when she knowingly lied in witness statements and lied when she took the stand in court. Jurors were informed the relationship between Johnson and Bishop was at times violent. This was not something that the prosecution were arguing, and the prosecutor recognised that domestic abuse and coercive control are serious issues. Still, the Crown did not believe that Johnson's ability to make her own decisions was impacted enough considering some of her actions both before and after the murders in 1987. Nine days after Russell Bishop was first arrested in connection with the Babes in the Wood murders, Jennifer Johnson provided a statement to the police. In this statement, she described her relationship with Bishop. He was Johnson's first boyfriend. They met in 1983, and Johnson fell pregnant the first time they were intimate. Their first child was born while Bishop was in prison for burglary. Johnson had to temporarily live in a bed and breakfast. Her parents wanted nothing to do with her following her involvement with Bishop. A redacted version of Jennifer Johnson's statement read in part... I have known Russell Bishop for the past three years and live with him for two years. I got to know Russell through CB radio. Up until this point, my relationship with Russell was quite happy, but he formed a relationship with Marion Stevenson. She was a regular at a pub called The Hiker's Rest. She got to know the bar staff, and one of them was Michelle Hadaway the mother of one of the two girls. In October 1986, when Nicola Fellows and Karen Hadaway were murdered, Jennifer Johnson worked cleaning office blocks. 
she was pregnant with a second baby, fathered by Russell Bishop. However, Bishop was engaged in a sexual relationship with a 16-year-old, Marion Stevenson. This had been ongoing for some time. Records still available from both social services and the police mention reports of violence in the home Bishop and Johnson shared. Arguments would erupt before Johnson was struck when she raised the topic of Bishop's relationship with Marion Stevenson. A local officer, PC David Edwards, also known by the name of Spud, had been out to the address on multiple occasions when there were reports of domestic abuse. Notes from the officer detailed bruising around Jennifer Johnson's face and neck. Johnson would later claim that the police never took these complaints seriously, recording the instances of violence solely as domestic arguments. Almost immediately, Russell Bishop was considered the prime suspect in the murders of Nicola Fellows and Karen Hadaway, so the police visited his home on Stevens Road in the early hours of October 10th, 1986. When they knocked at the address, Jennifer Johnson let them in, and officers were taken up to the couple's bedroom where Bishop was asleep in bed. Johnson was then eight months pregnant. When questioned, Bishop admitted that he knew the girls. Bishop said he had seen Nicola and Karen around the entrance of Wild Park the previous evening talking to a parkkeeper. This was, according to Bishop, the last time he saw them. The police would return some five hours later to interview him in more detail. They asked what he was wearing. The police officers and Bishop were in the presence of Jennifer Johnson, who was quick to interrupt. She retrieved a jumper. It was blue with a stripe. She told the officers it was an item of clothing that Bishop had been wearing along with a pair of jeans. Bishop then agreed with what his partner was saying. The significance of what Bishop was wearing would be of great importance as a blue sweatshirt with the word Pinto written on the left breast would be found around Moulscombe Railway Station on October 10th. The item of clothing appeared to have been discarded. On the walk from Wild Park around where the girls were found and Stevens Road where Bishop lived, he would have passed Moulscombe Railway Station on the journey. Alison Morgan QC asked the jury to consider if Jennifer Johnson was purposefully misdirecting the investigation when she produced clothing she knew that Bishop was not wearing. Was that the sort of behaviour of someone who was being controlled and in fear of their life? When Bishop was in police custody following his arrest, in a sealed packet the Pinto sweatshirt was taken to the home Bishop shared with Jennifer Johnson. 
the officers present were D.C. Evans, who was holding the sweatshirt, D.C. Penry and P.C. David Edwards, who Johnson had seen before when she made complaints of domestic abuse about Russell Bishop. With the sweatshirt in his hands, D.C. Evans was told by Johnson, Oh, you've brought Russell's jumper back. Johnson was then informed that this was not an item of clothing that had been collected from Bishop. Jennifer Johnson said Bishop had one exactly like it, but when she went to the wardrobe to retrieve it, in the presence of the officers, she could not find it. Trying to remember what was printed on it, Johnson said it began with the letter P, although she could not recall precisely what it was. Johnson then remarked to the officers that Bishop's jumper would have likely been stained with some red paint, or as she referred to it, compound paint. Johnson attested it had been transferred when Bishop had been spraying paint onto a car chassis. She explained that the same paint also covered a pair of trousers Bishop owned. It just so happened that this paint was found on the Pinto sweatshirt when it was forensically examined. The police were keen to obtain something in writing, so Johnson produced a signed written statement. Part of it read, I do not recall the last time that I saw Russell's sweatshirt. As far as I am concerned, I would have expected to find the sweatshirt in the wardrobe. I have looked in the wardrobe, but I cannot find the sweatshirt the Russell had. The prosecutor highlighted this to jurors to prove how vital this initial statement was. Alison Morgan QC then explained to the court that Jennifer Johnson had received a visit from P.C. Edwards. This was the same officer she had seen when there were reports of domestic abuse. The same day Bishop was arrested, October 31st, Johnson was asked how she was doing. How was her relationship with Bishop? PC Edwards was told, He doesn't knock me around anymore. We lead our own lives now. The topic of Marion Stevenson's name came up and Johnson said, Don't mention that fucking slag's name in this place. Throughout the conversation, Jennifer Johnson appeared to believe that Bishop was innocent, although she made it clear that she had at least asked her partner outright. Johnson had challenged Russell Bishop in the presence of his mother Sylvia, and asked Bishop if he was involved. She was vehemently informed he was not. Johnson was told by P.C. Edwards that it was bold to question Bishop directly like that, and Johnson replied, quote, Once I make up my mind to say something, I will. The prosecutor asked the jury if, based on this response, Johnson was someone that was under duress, as she was able to challenge the very people that she was now saying made threats to her life. However, what happened next could possibly tally with some form of coercion or influence. 
Jennifer Johnson was asked to come to the local police station to provide some further clarity. But now she did not want to be interviewed on her own. She was accompanied by Russell Bishop's father. Johnson was recanting her first statement and she said that she wanted someone to speak on her behalf. Johnson was told by officers that no one else could speak for her. It was then she became hysterical. Russell Bishop would eventually go on to be acquitted of the murders of Nicola Fellows and Karen Hadaway in 1987, but in 1990 he was arrested in connection with the abduction, sexual assault and attempted murder of another young child. Her clothes had been ripped from her body and she had been left for dead, but miraculously she survived. The attacker was quickly identified. When the police arrived at the home Russell Bishop and Jennifer Johnson shared, Johnson was belligerent, saying, Not again. Fuck off. We're not having this. We've had all this before. Fuck off. It's always him you fucking pick on. Johnson then targeted someone who Bishop would later try to blame at the new trial in 2018. Johnson said it was Nicola Fellow's father, Barry, that should be arrested. She then told the police they didn't care who they hurt when making an arrest, and she reminded them that someone had tried to burn down her home years earlier when Bishop was arrested in connection with Nicola and Karen's murders. At the precise moment Russell Bishop was arrested, Johnson began to assault the officers, striking them over the head. She told Bishop to shut up and instructed him not to provide a statement. She had to be restrained. While Bishop was awaiting trial, Jennifer Johnson wrote to him several times. Marriage was mentioned, and Johnson apologised for what she said she put him through. Johnson described how she wanted to be intimate with Bishop, and how they would have a big party when he came home. Johnson wrote that she would wait for him. She drew hearts with arrows through them, and on the borders of the correspondence wrote, True love, and I love you. The letters Bishop wrote back to Johnson were read aloud to the court. The contents were described as depraved fantasies, graphic, and sexually violent. Even as the evidence mounted, Jennifer Johnson still continued to support Russell Bishop. When he was convicted of attempted murder, they still remained in contact. Johnson wrote to express her feelings. During this time, Johnson even provided a statement to police in 1993, seven years after Nicola Fellows and Karen Hadaway were murdered. 
she offered further comments that she knew to be false about the Pinto sweatshirt. All of this was highlighted by the prosecutor Alison Morgan QC. Jurors were to consider if these were the actions of someone who was controlled and forced to lie. Bishop was in prison on a life sentence, and the prosecution questioned how it was possible he could have influenced the defendant. Johnson would continue to falsely attest to the police, even up to as far as 2016 when further forensic examinations were taking place on the Pinto sweatshirt that Barry Fellows and a lodger at the Fellows' home, Dougie Judd, were involved in the murders of Nicola Fellows and Karen Hadaway. Subsequently, Russell Bishop's DNA was found on the sweatshirt along with some material fibres from clothing that belonged to Jennifer Johnson. This did not imply that she was involved in the physical act of the murders, but Johnson or her clothing had come into contact with the sweatshirt at some point. It was only then she began to admit to others that Bishop was guilty. It would take nine months from the date of Russell Bishop's conviction in December 2018 for the police to ask that Jennifer Johnson be interviewed under caution. Johnson provided a statement in which she confessed to the police that she had lied when she said she did not recognise the Pinto sweatshirt. In this interview during September 2019, she admitted that her initial statement, in which she told officers that Russell Bishop owned a similar piece of clothing, was in fact true. She also admitted to lying under oath. It would be revealed that the Pinto sweatshirt belonged to Jennifer Johnson's father and was passed on to Russell Bishop. Jennifer Johnson said that she had no choice but to lie. She claimed that she had been physically assaulted for years by Russell Bishop. She had no one to protect her. She said that both Russell's mother Sylvia and his older brother David were the ones who put pressure on her to change her statement. She said that her life had been hard and the lives of her children were hard. Johnson explained that she had to move because of the abuse she was getting, all of which affected her home life. She admitted to lying, which she knew to be wrong, but she said she had no choice. The prosecutor pointed out to the jury that Jennifer Johnson was not on trial for the murders committed by Russell Bishop. Nevertheless, Alison Morgan QC did not feel Jennifer Johnson's motive was fear, but a desire to protect Bishop from a prison sentence. The jury were asked, based on the evidence presented in the courtroom, did Jennifer Johnson act the same way a reasonable person would in the same circumstances? Would a reasonable person lie for Russell Bishop? 
Chris Henley QC said that in 1987 his client was a vulnerable young mother, the mother of two very young children living a very socially isolated life and in a relationship with a violent, abusive and coercive man. Henley went on to say, Of course the evidence in relation to the top was material but it should not for one moment be considered decisive to the outcome of the trial. It is wrong, and it isn't fair to hold Jennifer Johnson responsible for that. The defence counsel said merciful and humane analysis was needed when understanding the reality of the situation his client was facing. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The officers who brought the Pinto sweatshirt to the home of Jennifer Johnson in 1986 were questioned on the stand. D.C. Evans went back over the events when Johnson appeared to recognise the sweatshirt. She was in no way aggressive or uncooperative. That said, Russell Bishop's mother arrived when the questioning was underway and she became upset when she realised what was happening. This was highlighted by Johnson's defence counsel. P.C. Edwards, who was now retired, was asked if he could identify anything that could highlight Jennifer Johnson was vulnerable or there were concerns that her life was in danger. The former officer said he could not. Edwards, 
who had asked Jennifer Johnson if she knew what Russell Bishop got up to at night, was questioned on the stand if that line of inquiry was appropriate. Defence counsel Chris Henley QC said, Why on earth did you ask that? It's absolutely none of your business. You're gaslighting her. The defence counsel was suggesting the officer used emotional manipulation to get a response because of her feelings towards Bishop and the time he had been spending with Marion Stevenson. Edwards denied his line of questioning was gaslighting or bullying. He suggested that it was relevant, considering Johnson had offered a statement in which she said she had asked Bishop directly if he committed the killings with Marion Stevenson. Johnson bluntly remarked to Bishop, You and that fucking slag done it. Johnson was asked by PC Edwards to confirm that she was talking about the murders of Karen Hadaway and Nicola Fellows. And she said she was. Jennifer Johnson spoke in her own defence and told jurors at Lewis Crown Court that she was sorry for what had happened. Her sympathies were with the victims' families, but she made clear her argument when she said, I had no choice but to lie. I'm sorry. I hold my hands up. I'm sorry. But I had no choice. Because of the court case, Jennifer Johnson could no longer work in a position she described as her dream job, caring for children with disabilities. No one has lived my life. No one has lived my hell, she said. My life is a disaster because I met the wrong person when I was young. Tearfully, Johnson told the courtroom that along with the physical attacks... She was regularly held down and raped by Russell Bishop. She said she was young, naive and weak. As the defence opened their argument, Johnson recounted what happened behind the four walls of their home she shared with Russell Bishop. He would strangle me. He would hit me. I couldn't get any help. I was stuck. I always tried to resist, but I always lost. He used to slap me, pull my hair. I had bruises at the top of my thighs, black eyes, marks on my chest. I used to phone the police and they didn't do anything. They'd say, is it domestic? And leave. They wouldn't help. Filling in some of the gaps in Johnson's testimony, the statement she had provided to police in 2019 described the beginning of the relationship with Russell Bishop. I was 18 when I met him. I was brought up in a very sheltered life. The day I met him, I should have run a mile, but I didn't. I was always brought up that once you make your bed... You lie in it. Johnson said as the relationship progressed, 
she was controlled and said her life was a nightmare that she was still living. But in the face of these difficulties, she voiced that she felt pride in her actions, telling interviewing officers in 2019 that she had never sold a single story to the newspapers. I've kept my head held high because in my eyes, I haven't done anything wrong, she said. I just went with a monster, I suppose, if that's what you want to call him. I don't know what you can call him. He ain't a human being, is he? Under questioning from her counsel, Chris Henley QC, Johnson testified that she feared for her life. Johnson told the court, I was upset, angry and annoyed because I knew what the consequences would be. He told me every day until it was stuck in my head and every day I told him I can't. I didn't have anybody. It was just me and my children. The defendant said the threats continued when she went to visit Bishop in prison. Johnson stated, He warned me to change my statement. He warned me he would always find me and kill me. Every time I went to visit, he said it. Jennifer Johnson had three children with Russell Bishop. She was pregnant with the second when he was arrested in 1986, and then the pair had a third child before he was arrested for attempted murder in 1990. Still, Johnson was quick to highlight that she never put Bishop's name on the children's birth certificates. When Johnson finally came to accept what happened... In a police interview, she described a desire to put Russell Bishop, quote, in an electric chair and set him on fire. Forensic consultant psychiatrist assess Jennifer Johnson's mental state. They carried out an analysis on Johnson's recollection of who she was and her medical records. One of the doctors, Ian Cummings, described elements of infatuation, although admitted that analysis was difficult, being someone who was an outsider to the situation. He agreed that Johnson lived in profound fear of Bishop, but as there were no reports from independent sources... He could not confirm if Johnson was subjected to coercive control. But then again, there were documented records of violent outbursts from Jennifer Johnson towards Russell Bishop. She threw a brick through his car windscreen when she was upset with him, ripped a wing mirror off his car door, and also attacked another young woman who was rumoured to be romantically involved with Bishop. Years later, she attacked a 15-year-old, forcefully cutting off her hair, and struck a parent outside the entrance of a school that one of her children attended. Footage of Jennifer Johnson was played to jurors, captured in 1989 after the failed court case. She formed part of a large group of protesters, 
shouting at police officers that they arrested the wrong man. Jennifer Johnson had told the court that she had been threatened and was frightened for her life. That was why she lied. Under cross-examination, heated questioning came from Alison Morgan QC, arguing that this was not the case. It's not about threats or duress, the prosecutor said. It's about you being absolutely besotted with him and doing whatever you could do to have him acquitted. Johnson made a string of denials, but she was forced to admit that she assaulted police officers when they came to her home. At the time, Johnson said she believed as Bishop had been acquitted, he was innocent. I know he was violent to me, but I wouldn't think any normal person would do that to children, she said. So if he was innocent of the first one, they were trying to frame him for the second one. The prosecutor also put it to the court that there could well have been another motive for Jennifer Johnson to help ensure the acquittal of her partner, or common-law husband, a turn of phrase that was used in the past. The prosecutor argued that the News of the World newspaper had agreed to pay Bishop, and by association Johnson, £15,000 for his story if Bishop was found not guilty. Johnson denied that she lied for money and said that she did not see a penny from the newspaper. In total, the jury deliberated for 12 hours. They had been told by Defence Counsel Chris Henley QC that Jennifer Johnson had no choice but to lie. She claimed she was worried about her safety and the safety of her children. She described a history of domestic abuse, coercive control and sexual attacks. But in the opinion of the prosecutor, no one had a gun to Johnson's head. And Johnson was, quote, part of Team Bishop, not a victim of it. After hearing the evidence, jurors could not reach a unanimous verdict on each of the counts. So the judge announced he would accept a majority. At least ten would need to agree. In the same courtroom where Russell Bishop was found not guilty all those years ago, the opposite was true for his former partner. Johnson slowly closed her eyes as sobs could be heard from the public gallery. Jennifer Johnson was found guilty of both perjury and perverting the course of justice. The perjury conviction was made on a 10-2 majority and perverting the course of justice, 11-1. to 
Nicola Fellow's cousin Lorna was interviewed after Jennifer Johnson's trial. Lorna reflected that the truth does eventually catch up with those who hide in plain sight. Speaking to the false statements and the payment for Russell Bishop's story, Nicola Fellow's cousin said, the now defunct News of the World also provided encouragement for Johnson to lie. As a key witness in Bishop's 1987 trial, she lied, knowing that there would be a huge financial reward if Bishop received two acquittals for the double child murders. He did indeed receive the wrongful acquittals. The News of the World got their stories. The perpetrators got their payday. Our two families were devastated again after those verdicts. Yet on the same evening, Johnson and the bishop celebrated with a funded champagne dinner at the Hilton Hotel. They should all hang their heads in shame. They all had their part to play. They all have blood on their hands. Michelle, Karen Hadaway's mother, spoke of being a happy family. But all that changed. The flame in our lives went out when they were found murdered. My husband was never the same again. He was a broken man. 32 years times 365 days of waking up to the horror of losing my Karen. For some moments in life, There are simply no words to describe the pain within us. So where are we now? When Mr Justice Fraser handed down Jennifer Johnson's sentence... She was not in the courtroom. She refused to leave her cell in HMP Bronzefield. Her counsel, Chris Henley QC, tried to explain. There will be those that will criticise her for not showing the strength and courage to come face the sentence today. But Jennifer Johnson is in a dark and lonely place at the moment. The judge said this was clearly another way in which Johnson could not accept responsibility for what she had done. According to the judge, Johnson had picked the quote, coward's way out. Mr Justice Fraser addressed Johnson in spite of her absence and spoke as if she were in the courtroom. It was his opinion that she was infatuated with Russell Bishop. Both offences strike at the heart of the administration of justice, Mr Justice Fraser said. The effect of your evidence at the trial was that Bishop was acquitted of those two murders. There was another dreadful consequence of your actions. He was free to attack again. And he did. Mr Justice Fraser spoke of the continual lies that Johnson told. He remarked, In my judgment, the prime motivation for your criminal behaviour was that you simply could not face life without him. 
You were young with two small children and Dr. Cummings, the expert psychiatrist who gave evidence for the prosecution, said that there were elements of infatuation in your relationship with Bishop. You did not want to bring your children up alone and unsupported. Whether you had persuaded yourself that he had not murdered the two girls, or whether you simply closed your mind to that possibility, does not matter. When looking at the mitigating factors, Mr Justice Fraser accepted that Jennifer Johnson struggled with mental health issues. She suffered from depression and anxiety. There was evidence Johnson was also subjected to domestic violence in 1985 and 1986. The judge said, There is no doubt that Bishop was a murderous paedophile, and aspects of your relationship with him would have reflected this. Mr Justice Fraser took into account the work Johnson had done with disabled children and positive statements of her behaviour provided by some of her former colleagues. Johnson had described being raped and controlled by Bishop, but the judge pointed out using the defendant's own testimony that the sexual attacks occurred after the acquittal so her claims that these were part of the threats could not be used to mitigate her actions, at least before the first trial. For crimes that the judge described as at the most serious end of the scale, Jennifer Johnson was sentenced to six years for perjury and six years for perverting the course of justice, both to run concurrently. Half of that time Johnson would spend behind bars and the rest on licence. In a statement, Nicola Fellow's cousin Lorna said that Jennifer Johnson helped blur the lines. She blatantly perverted the course of justice for Nikki and Karen. Lorna continued, We stand here again, two families united in grief and united in our 34-year fight for justice. We are relieved and grateful at the guilty verdict today. It is one more piece of truth, one more piece of the puzzle. Perhaps the most poignant question of all came from Karen Hathaway's mother, Michelle. In a victim impact statement read to the court before a sentence was handed down, Michelle addressed Jennifer Johnson as if she was standing before her. Michelle said, What you must now ask yourself is, Was it worth it? Thank you for listening. 
and a special thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Flimsy staying slowing you down? Well, it's time to upgrade. Armadillo builds durable, North American-made tablet stands and kiosks. We're so confident, we offer a lifetime warranty. So, elevate your business and visit armadillo.com. That's A-R-M-O-D-I-L-O.com and use code ACAST for 5% off. Armadillo. Built to last. Designed to impress.